Robert Duncan uh, first introduced World Mission Sunday to the ACNA. He did so intentionally because Epiphany is the time of light, the time of sending the the word out into the world, and wanted that to be at the center of who we are as a new province, as a new Anglican expression in the United States. As part of that, we commemorate it every year, and um, we're blessed to have with us today uh, two of our missionaries, one, or both of which actually are, are members um, of our fold, and one of whom serves on our mission council, um, Emily Trinoya Barkley. I would invite you to come forward, and as you're coming forward, I would just like to... to uh, instruct the rest of you to look in your bulletins. There are leaflets with information on each ministry that we support. Um, We have three different missionary organizations that we support as a church, and we do that corporately, but we also encourage you to give to them individually. Uh, So there's information about that too. So Emily, would you address the congregation? Come on up here. You need a mic. Hello, everyone. Hi. Um, Abdullah bin al-Hussein, King of Jordan. Kofi Annan, former UN Secretary General and Nobel Peace Prize recipient. Benazir Bhutto, former President of Pakistan. Wangari Mathai of Kenya, Nobel Peace Prize recipient. Gloria Arroyo, former President of the Philippines. Aside from being world leaders, what do all of these people have in common? The answer is that they were at one time international students studying in the United States. There are now approximately 1.3 million international students and scholars on university campuses in the US. While individuals from hundreds of countries around the world come to study here, a vast majority of them come from an area known as the 1040 window. That is the rectangular area of North Africa, the Middle East, and Asia between approximately 10 degrees north and 40 degrees north latitude. While it constitutes only one-third of Earth's total land area, nearly two-thirds of the world's people reside in the 1040 window. This area represents the most unreached ethnic groups on Earth, meaning approximately 70% of the 5.9 billion people living here have not been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the nations are here now. In Genesis 12, one through two, God is speaking to Abraham and he says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. God's promise to make Abraham great was not for his own benefit. Rather, it was for the benefit of the entire world. In Matthew 24:14, Jesus told his followers that his gospel would be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, or ethne, meaning people groups. And then the end would come. Later on in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them um, to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The gospel is never meant to be exclusive to one people group, but an invitation to discipleship for all the nations. This is the Great Commission. Leviticus 19, 33-34 says, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. 
Here we see that on the very heart of God is the person who moves, the foreigner. International students are some of these foreigners and they present an exceptionally strategic mission field. These 1.3 million students and scholars are brilliant. They're among their nation's most outstanding students. They are pivotal in that they come from hard to reach countries and cultures. And they are concentrated on US campuses. A single campus may host future leaders from 100 plus nations um, and they are curious about our culture. But there is tremendous competition for the hearts and minds of these future leaders. They often suffer from loneliness, isolation, and are under considerable pressure to succeed. We have the unique opportunity to love and serve these strangers in a strange land and share the life-transforming message of Jesus Christ. International students go on to become leaders in their countries in politics, science, technology, education, commerce, and many other important fields. What an influence these individuals will make in society and consider their impact for Christ. When international students who meet Christ return home, they become an exceptionally strategic mission force because they are culturally attuned, experts in the language and culture of their homelands. They are also well-connected, well-respected, and the hope is they will be well-prepared, equipped in Bible and ministry skills from their time in the US to give an account of Christ back home. One inspiring example I wanna share with you is a Chinese PhD candidate from the University of West Virginia, we'll call her Cassie. She is um, from China, and Cassie trusted uh, Christ two years ago here in the US, and she's been growing in her faith um, ever since. Last summer, she went on a Bridges summer mission um, for Chinese students where she grew in faith in Christ and confidence and ability to share her faith with others. This winter break, she prayerfully planned to go home to her village, a remote village in China, and share the good news of what Jesus has done in her life with her family and friends. During her time there, her family and friends were amazed at her transformation that she attributed to her relationship with Jesus. She was able to share the gospel with 15 different friends and family and lead daily Bible studies with several of them. Even as she's returned to uh, West Virginia University to continue her studies, she is distance discipling a cousin who has put her faith in Christ uh, back home in her village. In the farthest reaching parts of the globe, God is doing amazing things in and through this international student as she faithfully walks with Jesus. Um, I hope I've given you a compelling vision for international student ministry. It's biblical, strategic, rewarding, and it's also really fun. I have lots of stories of strange, strange things I've eaten with international students, as well as hilarious and not as hilarious cultural miscommunications. Culture can be messy, um, but it's fun. I have had the humble privilege of working with international students through Bridges International for over a decade. Uh, Bridges International main objectives are to serve students, promote social connections, create safe spaces for spiritual dialogue and exploration, and invest in students as leaders. I've gone from being full-time on college campuses working with international students to a remote coaching and training role, which is what I do now. I serve on a virtual team of staff who are involved in distance coaching students, staff, and volunteers who are just beginning to reach out to international students. Our mission is empowering leaders anywhere to mobilize internationals and in reaching the nations for Christ. Our team of 10 staff are coaching burgeoning movements of God among international students in over 60 locations, both stateside and abroad. Some notable locations include campuses in Malaysia, Darjeeling, India, Hong Kong, and Australia, as well as at Brown, Vanderbilt, San Diego, and Bowling Green State Universities. 
Most of these campuses host thousands of international students, yet lack any significant organized effort to serve and invest in this population. In 2020, we hope to train more coaches in order to increase our capacity to coach and launch more locations, and also extend our efforts to include churches as well as new campuses. I would appreciate your prayers towards these efforts. Please also join me in praying that many international students from all over the world will come to know the love and goodness of God through Jesus Christ. We all look forward to the day as described in Revelation chapter 7, when a great multitude from every nation and tribe and people and tongue will stand before the Lamb and give blessing, thanksgiving, and glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Um, thank you for this opportunity to share about my ministry. If you'd like to partner, partner with me in my work with Bridges International, either through prayer or financial giving, there will be a sign-up sheet in um, the coffee area, or you could just come talk to me. Thank you. Thanks, Emily. You know, sometimes we don't realize what's going on in our midst, um, and it's good to, to highlight these things. Emily, as a member of our mission council, is actually going to be um, overseeing all of our missionary efforts um, and reporting to the council on that and to you, because that's one of our priorities. But it's great to hear the story of Bridges and how that's a different type of discipleship than we usually think of when we think of discipleship or evangelism. Um, what a wonderful thing it is. Uh, we also have with us today um, Peter Franz, who is, has been a missionary to Turkey um, and is rebooting. Is that safe to say? Rebooting uh, with um, Anglican Frontier Mission, which is an uh, institution, uh, organization that I um, ran across first in seminary, at Trinity Seminary. Um, Peter is uh, going to do mission work with them. He's already gone on a retreat um, that, uh, that uh, is preparing him for that. And Peter, why don't you come forward and tell us a little bit more about Anglican Frontier Missions and your particular ministry with them. And again, as Peter is coming forward, I invite you to look at the Anglican Frontier Mission uh, leaflet and card. First off, I want to say that that was so amazing about the bridges, the bridges. I'm currently teaching English to international students in Ashland, Ohio, and just that just warms my heart to hear that there's people that are focused on sharing the good news with them. Gunaiden. You can say it back. Gunaiden. It means good morning. Rab Tanra Size Bereket Versen, which means may the Lord bless all of you in Turkish. You don't have to say that, but um, yeah, so it's really good to be back here among you all. I know it's been uh, about a year. I guess the last Mission Sunday when I was up here sharing with you about my vision about Turkey, about the things on my heart that God had placed there, and so it's really rewarding and interesting and fun, and just I, I just love being here with you to be able to share what's happened since then, the ups and downs, and where I'm going from here. So let me tell you a little bit about last summer, because you, many of you generously supported me uh, through gifts and praying and all these amazing things. Um, I went back to Turkey the first week of May and stayed until the end of July. And 
I led some Bible studies with some international friends. Um, I went to a Turkish uh, youth camp. And just to give you a little bit of perspective, um, early 1900s, Turkey was 20% Christian. There's 20% uh, Christian in Turkey. Nowadays, it's like 0.1% or 0.2%. So you don't see many Christians gathering, much less youth, like young Christians. It's it's very much a rare sighting to see believers together in Turkey. So being able to go there and spend the week um, at, uh, at their camp up in the mountains and to watch them grow in their faith, um, to watch them commit to Christ, to watch them, um, maybe you've seen this before, nailing sins to a cross and, and just, just seeing them come alive in their relationship with Jesus and seeing them acknowledge who he is, that he is Lord of their life and he is redeeming them and that he loves them and that there is hope. And just being a part of that as an outsider was phenomenal. Um, along the way, um, during the support raising process last spring, I came to a realization. Um, and those who have received my letters, sometimes they come through the office here or individuals can sign up. Um, one of the things I pointed out was that I felt like I should not be a lone ranger in this process of being a missionary to Turkey. Now, I have lots of friends in Turkey. I'm very connected to the international church, to the Turkish church, uh, just a lot of good relationships. But in meditating on my role and my position and what God is sending me to do in Turkey, I just realized that he doesn't send people out alone. A lot of times in the Gospels, he sends two by two. Um, he sends people in groups so they can be an encouragement to one another, so they can strengthen one another, they can pray for one another, they can go at it together. And so I decided that I wasn't going to stay in Turkey long term, and I came back in July and honestly went through a ton of culture shock. It was very difficult. It was like, Lord, I thought you were calling me to this. What's going on? My life felt like it was crumbling all around me. And so I felt the Lord saying to me, stop, breathe, listen, I'm taking care of you, and it's going to be okay. But of course, <laughs> culture shock is never easy. Thinking that you had a purpose to your, to your mission, to your life, and then all of a sudden it's gone is <laughs> earth-shattering tears you apart. But at the same time, I, I trusted the Lord, and I said, you know, this is really tough, but I'm going to get through it. And so I started going to counseling at Ashland Seminary, um, where I got my master's several years ago, same place Sean went. Um, and I just spent some time just in prayer, allowing myself to kind of be okay with the situation, trust God, and take it one day at a time. And so I waited, and I prayed, and I listened, and I consulted the scriptures and went to my counseling. And about the end of September, I believe it was the end of September, um, I had this amazing opportunity that this church actually helped me partake in, and maybe you remember me coming to share about that as well, to go to the new Wineskins Conference, the Anglican Missions Conference in North Carolina. And I went... And I was able to meet with um, AFM, Anglican Frontier Missions, and their, their director, 
and be a part of this amazing week of hearing what God is doing in the world. And I realized through this time, you know, this is all great. Like, I've been in Turkey for six years. I've been mostly teaching English. There's mission in that as well, of course. But there's so many people in this world, Turkey specifically, but lots of places, that don't know Jesus, have never even heard of Jesus, that are so busy feeling guilty, feeling shame, and trying to work away their, their pain only to find themselves deeper and deeper in debt and more and more overcome by anxiety, worry, fear, anger, frustration. There are people that need the bonds to be loosened, to be set free, because they're captives. It's, when you come to grips with that, it's, it's just so overwhelming to know that there's people in this world who have no hope whatsoever, no hope. They try, they work, but they've got nothing. They don't have Jesus. And so as I was looking into how I could be a part of this, if maybe I was, I'm being intended to go back to Turkey, um, I listened to the director of AFM, Tad de Bornenev, and later, uh, as part of my training, I've been reading a chapter in, in the book that uh, they gave me about Anglican Frontier Missions. They just had their 25th anniversary. Um, and he took a perspectives class, and it totally changed his life. He used to be uh, a vicar in a church like this, and he took the perspectives class, which kind of sheds light on what the situation of missions in the world is, what the church is doing, how the, the missions uh, are reaching the unreached nations. And he was blown away by what he discovered. And that is that there are people groups. The scriptures refer to them as the nations. There are people groups in the world. And about 25% of these people groups, 1.8 billion people, have no disciple, no church in their, in their nation. And he also realized that in terms of support and resources, the vast, vast, vast majority of the resources that the church has and is using is giving towards already very churched places, <laughs> like North America, for example, Europe, um, other places as well, but that the church the non-existent church, the people who don't know Jesus, again, close to 2 billion people in the world are getting so little attention from the global church. So little attention. And how are they going to hear the good news if there's no one to bring it to them? And so Tad de Bornenave, the founder of Anglican Frontier Missions, he, he quit his job at the church and he founded Anglican Frontier Missions in 1993. And he said, we're going to change this. We're going to send people to those places. We're going to carry the good news. We're going to pray for them. And we're going to help them to build indigenous churches. So all of this has really touched me. I am excited about going back. I'm excited about being a part of AFM because I'm not on my own. I'm being sent with a group that has a passion, an Anglican group that has a passion for seeing people come to Christ, for seeing churches rise up in the midst of foreign lands, foreign soils that are overcome by different philosophies of life. In Turkey's case, Islam, secularism, both of them very powerful. 
Jesus said, as we read today, that he's sending us to Jerusalem, to Judea, to our local places, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which is very ironic because Turkey used to be close to Judea and Samaria, the start of the church, and now it's, it's, it feels more about like it's the ends of the earth. But that's where the Lord is sending me. And so I want to send to you a question, first off. Do you feel a burden for these people? Do you hear the call of the Holy Spirit in the scriptures, the voice of the Lord? What is he saying to you about these unreached peoples? These churches that are being attacked, individuals being killed or taken away. There's a lot going on in the world that we don't really know about or pay much attention to. But my opportunity that I'm extending to you, well, there's, there's a couple in one. One of them is particularly exciting because I haven't had a chance to share this before, but I'm hoping to go back to Turkey in July to be a part of the international church, to help continue leading Bible studies, to be a part of the new international church plant, which is in a very in a region that's, that we're trying to reach out to Turks in the community. And this was started since I returned in July, so I haven't been able to participate yet. So there's that. There's a massive influx of refugees from Iran, Iraq, other places in the Middle East, Syria, of course, that are facing their own crises. And these people are coming with nothing. They're coming with so much need, so much brokenness, so much trauma, and no healer that they know about. No Jesus to work in their hearts to heal them, to redeem them, to show them that they are loved and they are cared for and that they have a place. So I'll be working with them as well. So the opportunities that I extend to you are threefold. First off, I could use your prayers and I would love them so much. Um, in my letter, I wrote a letter. If, if we talk afterwards, I can give you a copy. But my goal is to raise up 50 people praying for me every single day in Turkey, both for me, because it's very difficult um, when you're in a different place and all the North American luxuries are not really at your disposal anymore and just kind of dealing with the disconnect from family and friends here, um, but for the mission as well, what my role is, me being able to see where is the Lord leading, but also praying for the Turks, the Turkish people, the, the refugees, the, the Arabs in the community that are not treated well, that don't have much, they need your prayers as well. So praying is the, is the first thing. Second thing is, as Sean was saying, I, I can't go without um, monthly gift givers, regular people uh, supporting me from afar. Um, I'm trying to raise $2,400 a month to pay for tickets, to pay for food, to pay for gas, electric, rent, all sorts of things like that. And I'm not going to be teaching English anymore, um, not as a full-time job, so I won't have any type of salary when I go back. Um, so that, that is how, how I need from the community of people who are trying to impact the world for Christ is I do need monthly gifts or I won't be able to go and we won't be able to change uh, the landscape for Christ. So please consider it. This is an opportunity that the Lord is extending to you and I invite you to think about it, pray about it, reflect on it. I have this um, in the bulletin. This is a pledge card. You don't have to do it today. Take some time to think about it. You can bring it back next week. I won't be here, but um, 
I'll get it at some point. But then there's the third opportunity. So there's prayers, there's monthly gift giving, and the third opportunity, which, again, I'm really excited about because I haven't done this before. Through AFM, um, they um, have their missionaries, or cross-cultural workers. Once I go on the field, I'm a cross-cultural worker because it's dangerous to say the word missionary um, or to write it from Turkey. But as an encouragement, as a support unit, as a connection to the sending church. And this is my sending church. I should be clear about that. You are my sending church. This is the place I'm coming from. It's the place I'm going from. AFM has the cross-cultural workers create a Barnabas team. Barnabas, a character in the Bible, of course, went with Paul, means son of encouragement. And so what this team is, is a team that meets regularly every month through a Skype call or um, Zoom chat, something online where I get to see you and we get to talk every single month about what's going on in my life, praying for things happening in Turkey, asking about issues, being an encouragement. Because I've, I've not had that before, but it is super exciting because there are times where you feel so alone and so disconnected. It is unbelievable. But to know not only that you are praying for me, that you might be giving to me, but that you are invested in what's going on and you are encouraging me, and you are taking the prayer requests that I have from myself, my community of friends and believers, and you're praying for them. You're lifting them up. You're bringing them back to this church and making that partnership, oh, so much more real, so much more tangible. You can say, you can come up here and say, we talked to Peter last week, and he said that there's, there's a real issue with people getting kicked out of the country right now, or there's, there's persecution, or there's sickness, there's things that are happening. And to have that connection be, be real, it, it means so much. And it makes you more connected to what's happening on the field. So I don't know how this is going to happen. Again, I haven't gone through all the training. I'm working on it. But if you are interested in this, please see me. Talk to me. Talk to Sean. We're going to form this team sometime over the next probably two or three months, um, a little bit before I leave. Hopefully in, in July or August, I'll be heading back. But... Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support also, for the prayers that you've lifted up for Turkey, for me, for the gifts that you've given, just for the support <laughs> allowing me to come and speak. It, it's so meaningful, it's so wonderful, and it's just a testament to the Lord's goodness and the ways that he has blessed you and he has blessed me. I'll be around after the service. We can talk, we can do whatever you want. But um, yeah, I invite you to come and ask any questions you want and let's, uh, let's, let's talk it over. Let's uh, share stories about Turkey. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Uh, let's just bow our heads quickly and say a prayer for Peter and Emily. Lord, we ask that uh, you would bless and prosper the ministries of Peter and Emily as they proclaim the gospel. And we thank you for the fact that they are being obedient laborers, that they are going out into the harvest. We ask that we would take part in that ourselves and be inspired to see the life-changing work that you do in others' lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll see in the bulletin under announcements that we're putting together a missionary oversight team, um, which uh, is in addition to the Barnabas 
uh, team for Peter. We do have this unique situation with Peter being his sending church. So in some ways, uh, we will be more involved uh, directly with Peter. Um, but we also want to make sure that the other missionary efforts we do are, are being communicated with and communicating back to us so that we know how to pray and support them. So if um, the Holy Spirit is working in your heart to be part of either that Barnabas team or uh, a missionary oversight team, um, we do, I do invite you to talk to me or, or email office at lakewoodanglehin.com and just, just let us know and we'll, we'll go from there and see what happens. Um, but it's an exciting thing. It's an exciting thing to be putting this next piece into our DNA in a more formal way as Lakewood Anglican Mission. Um, I'm not going to go through all of the announcements. I do want to point out that at